What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. In today's show, CJ McCollum back in Portland, his first trip to the Moda Center. What he described as an emotional and exhausting night. I want to talk about all about that when the Blazers lose to the Pelicans and CJ McCollum's return. We'll get into all of it. And then this game had some, and, and tonight's action on Wednesday evening in the NBA had some action, some some implications for the Blazers' future, for draft picks, for the pursuit of more lot, better lottery odds. We'll get into all of that in today's show, but it's going to be CJ heavy. We're going to talk about you know how he played in the game, and I want to share some scenes that I saw from, uh, I was lucky enough to be in the building some scenes I saw while I was lucky enough to be there but before we do that let's just start with what we do fastest recap in the west Blazers lose this game 117-107 uh it was not a foregone conclusion. The Blazers have been walloped mostly over the last week. Uh, they've, they've managed, I mean, they just lost an overtime game, but uh, when they've played good teams, uh, they've, they've been mostly walloped. Uh, the Pelicans are maybe a good team, hard to say. Uh, certainly better than better than OKC, uh, who they, who they Blazers uh, f- found a way to lose to on Monday evening. Uh, but the, Portland was in this. They were up, up at the end of the first quarter, up 36-32. They hit seven threes in the first quarter. They were like, they were there and ready to go and it led by three at halftime uh 54 51 of the break pelicans uh you know came out ready to go in the third quarter reclaim the lead 85 82 heading into the fourth quarter and this game was still competitive uh with six minutes left the blazers were down four you know uh, reggie perry who made his his debut for the blazers uh re-debut for the blazers signing a 10-day contract this morning big man reggie perry who had previously played two games as a 10-day contract for the blazers back in december he you know he hits a bucket with six minutes left blazers are down four it's like they might do this they might spoil the return but brandon ingram checks back in pelicans seize control of the lead late and win 117-107 CJ McCollum, and we'll talk all about his ovation and, and and how he was greeted in the second segment, but he came out hot on the court. Uh, he played in his first nine minutes on the court. CJ McCollum had 14 points, six of seven from the field, two of three from three. Uh, hit his first five shots, was balling. Uh, for, you know, first time he first time he got a touch, the Blazers double teamed him. Love that respect. Second time he got a touch, he canned a left wing three. Third time he got a touch, he canned another left wing three. It looks like this was going to be his night. And he did indeed score 19 in the first half. You know, 14 in the first quarter, 19 in the first half. He finished with 25, though, quieted down, down the stretch. Brandon Ingram had 19, six boards and six assists. I don't think he played particularly well on offense shooting-wise, but he did get to the line for 13 free throws and I thought he was really good passing the ball late in this one on the other side for the Blazers Drew Eubanks led the way with 21 points and nine rebounds Drew Eubanks just really soft touch with a right-handed hook you give my man a righty hook he's probably going to make it uh 10 points 10 assists for Brandon Williams Reggie Perry 15 and six boards off the bench in 17 minutes uh 11 shots in 17 minutes he was getting them up uh Ben McLemore doing what he does, getting in there and shooting the ball a lot. Finished three of ten from the floor, six or three of ten from three, five of twelve from the floor. Sixteen points for Ben McLemore. Uh, 
CJ LB nine, Greg Brown uh, the third had nine, hit three threes in the first quarter and didn't didn't score after that. Um, he was or three threes in the first half and didn't score after that. Uh, Greg, who had missed the previous game with a uh, with a corneal abrasion, with it got poked in the eye and had a b- bad eye bruise, uh, you know, scratched scratched on the cornea. He uh, he was wearing goggles and goggle Greggy, as they were calling him on Blazers social media. Go- goggle Greggy uh, was making jumpers. I thought um, you know Greg Brown is a different basketball player if he makes jump shots. And and that was uh, he was doing that at least early in this one. Today was also the debut of Didi Uzada, who had who came over in the CJ trade. He was um, formerly of the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, the Blazers acquired him in that CJ McCollum swap. He came over. Uh, he was he was injured at the time. He's it, tore the meniscus in his left knee and had and had missed time. And he was. Uh, recovering from um, some, you know, recovering from that surgery and, and trying to get back into NBA shape. He had been doing more game stuff. I'd actually asked Chauncey about a week ago, kind of what he was doing. He hadn't really returned to practice. The Blazers aren't having like full on practices at this time of the year. Um, pretty much no NBA team practices. The Blazers are not unique. So all of DD's stuff was just one-on-one kind of like getting his, getting his body ready to play. Uh, and, you know, he finished with five points and two boards. Um, his he hit his first three and it was like oh if I didn't really know he could shoot three pointers and then he missed his next four including uh, one possession where he got two unguarded wide open looks from the right side and missed them uh, his fifth three that he missed it was like rushed he got the ball it was late in the first half and the ball hit him coming like sharp off a rebound and he tried to race out to the three point line and put it up and he shot it behind the side of the backboard so the, like throw that one out that one absolutely uh, for our purposes does absolutely Absolutely does not count for our purposes, but uh, he finished with uh, two of six from the floor, one of five, uh, two boards, five points, and blocked a shot. I don't think there was a big takeaway from DD in this game, to be quite honest. He was fine, uh, but I don't think there was a big takeaway in this game. I want to see more of him. Like, at least it's another, He, you know, he's under contract for next season, uh, unless the Blazers trade him, which seems relatively unlikely, but pretty much unlikely unless he's included in a larger trade. Like he's one of the few guys on this team who played tonight, who's for sure going to be on the roster next year, along with Greg Brown and two-way contributor, uh, Brandon Williams. Uh, another name I should mention that I didn't before we, before we wrap up this fastest recap in the West or this recap of this game is it. Kelger Blevins hit two threes, um, finished with six points and four boards. I thought this was one of the better Kelgen Blevins games that we've seen. And also, and this is to my, this is for my, for my, uh, my Reddit folk, because I learned this nickname from you, you dear contributor contributors on on r slash rip city a blazers employee and i'm not going to out them but a blazers employee informed me that they told kelgen today they're talking to kelgen uh, pregame and said do you know that your nickname is blev god and he had never heard the nickname blev god and he loved it kelgen loves blev god so um if you are if you are someone on the Rip City subreddit who calls who calls uh, Kelgen Blevins Blev God, or are you are just someone out in the world who refers to Kelgen Blevins as Blev God? Uh, incredible nickname and he approves he approves bled god blev god approves uh, i'm not sure we'll ever see blev god after the season ends in a blazers uniform again um so shout out to big shout out to big nepo shout out to blev god uh he approves of, of the nickname that's a fun one that's let's talk about cj mccollum he's back he was really good in this game um early but he also mentioned that there was just like a emotional fatigue aspect of this game for sure and i want to talk about that emotional fatigue aspect I want to talk about that, sort of what it's like to come home and all those things. And some little scenes I saw from folks who uh, folks who returned to the Moda Center, like uh, Larry Nance Jr. and Tony Snell and all those things. Uh, that's what we'll do in the second segment. But before we get there, I want to tell you, 
about NBA top shots. It's the future of what being an NBA fan looks like. It's part trading card, part stock market, and part fantasy sports with a built-in loyalty program. NBA Top Shot has evolved trading cards and made it easier to buy, sell, and trade by removing the hassle of card grading, shoe boxes, and binders. They got 24-7 peer-to-peer marketplace, lets you scroll, scroll through all your favorite plays, all your favorite teams, and once you find your moment you've been looking for, you can buy it in a couple of clicks. You are purchasing a one-of-a-kind singular NBA highlight or NBA moment, and you might be asking, why would I buy something that I can watch on YouTube for free? Why would I buy a highlight? Well, here's why. Because it's not about watching a highlight. It's about having ownership in the stock in the stock market of the NBA's greatest moments. Owning an NBA Top Shot moments can get you access to unbuyable once-in-a-lifetime experiences. For example, last year, Top Shot flew out a group of fans to the Phoenix for Game 5 of the NBA Finals just for having Phoenix Suns moments in their collections. The following week, Top Shot flew out a group of fans to New York for the NBA Draft, and these collectors got to have dinner with four future first-round picks the night before they were drafted. And they got to play basketball with New York. Knicks forward Obi Toppin. I guess he wasn't a New York Knick at the time, but you get the point. No, he was. I'm, I got. To, I got. To, Toppin wasn't a rookie. They got to play. With, they got to play with Obi Toppin. Get it. Get it. Uh, you know, get it in with a real NBA player. Um, so if you sign up today for NBA Top Shot, the best way to get started is to get yourself a starter pack. You can pull a moment of an NBA superstar like LeBron James or Kevin Durant or Damian Lillard, or you can pull star rookies like Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, or even Goggles Greggy, Greggy Goggles. That'll cost you nine bucks. So head on over to LockedOnNBA. Excuse me, LockedOn.NBATopShot.com. That's LockedOn.NBATopShot.com to start buying your collection today. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond, and that's our third segment branding, but we're still in the second one. So all right, we made it to the second segment. Listen, CJ McCollum was back, and he was back, and it was a big, big moment. The way that intros usually work for the away team in the Moda Center is that they keep the lights on. They say, oh, starting at center from Lithuania, Jonas Valanciunas, starting at forward, number five from Arkansas. Herb Jones, whatever, whatever. Uh, from Duke, Brandon Ingram, get the hell out of here. Well, Willie Green's the coach. Okay, Blazers, turn the lights off. Music comes on. Huge, huge production. That is not what they did for CJ McCollum. And you knew they weren't going to do that. You knew it was going to be a big moment. It was a huge anticipatory moment. Uh, the It was a bigger crowd than normal when he came out to warm up. He actually came out to warm up. Uh, Fans are let into the arena at about 5.30. That's when the doors open. He was finishing his warm-up at about 5.35. So there were not really fans watching him. But but there was tons of media people down there. This was big for media folks. I've been to a lot of Blazer games this year where there are very few media people there. Like four um this was there were a lot tonight this was a big game and the the buzz was palpable heading into the arena um it was just there was a lot of anticipatory moments here so they get to starting lineups they they go through you know Jonas Valanciunas is spinning but but then there's this moment and and you realize CJ is going to be last and they do they they do the CJ announcement like they would have done if he plays for the Blazers Number three from Lehigh, a 6'3 guard, CJ McCollum. Crowd standing ovation goes nuts, super, super loud. Um, 
as loud as you'll ever hear for an opposing player. I mean, for sure, Kobe and LeBron have gotten crazy loud cheers in that arena. Steph Curry gets crazy loud cheers in that arena. But it's always mixed because you hear like a roar from the opposing fans who are filling the arena. And then Blazer fans kind of respond, no, boo, get him out of here. There was none of that. This was, you know, what, however many people were there, 17,000 strong. I'm sure I'm sure the Blazers announced close to a sellout. There were a ton of people there. It was a big game. They went nuts for him. And then they let it linger and linger, and linger. They let it breathe. That's what the word I wrote down in my notes was they really let it breathe. Closing it on 35, 45 seconds of just letting CJ have his moments. He put his hands together to signal, you know, thanks. Uh, you know, he, he, he acknowledged the crowd, waved to, to both sides of the arena. He smiled. His teammates kind of gave him space so he could have the moments. He was, they were crowding around him. Uh, there was, it was, it was this special sort of acknowledgement of what he meant. And they let it go for closing it on a minute. Uh, I didn't time it exactly. Someone estimated 90 seconds. I do not believe it was that long. It felt like for friggin' ever. After the game, CJ said it felt like the national anthem when someone is hanging on those notes. And you're like, okay, okay, okay. And it was just, it was, it sat there with him. And then CJ comes out and he scores, you know, 14 in the first quarter, hits his first five shots and he's red hot. But he mentioned when he went to the bench, that he was just exhausted. He was drained. He was tired. This tired him out. Believably so. Like, not, not in any critical way. Like, yeah, he was tired. This was, that was an exhausting thing that, that like, if you've, if you've ever returned anywhere, um, or even just gone back to see your family in a place, just the emotional output it, it takes to, to, to return to a spot where, where there are expectations put upon you and there are memories and there are all of these emotional connections. There is, a, there is an emotional output that it takes. And I think that's kind of what we saw from, from for what CJ was kind of explaining was like, he was just tired. There was a, it, was, it was a feeling of, of just being drained, of pouring it all out because this was a special moment. Uh, Pelican's coach describes it, uh, Willie Green describes it as, um, as, as beautiful. He says it's a beautiful moment from, from fan and fan and team um, and, and, and player, like from this sort of that connection for the Blazers organization, the fans and CJ and like all three of those, um, that, that trio sort of acknowledging what this meant for him to return. Um, and, and, you know, CJ is something like the, you know, one of the 15 best players in the history of the franchise, but he also just like, He's one. Of the, he's the fifth all-time leading scorer. You know, he's he doesn't have maybe the accolades to jump into like, oh, he's one of the all-time all-time greats, Mount Rushmore type. But he is a very important part. I think you could make an argument that he's top ten. I'm not making that argument, but regardless of like the rankings, that's not what this is about. It's about, he's incredibly important to the last decade of the franchise, and they let him have his this special moment when he first checked out. They gave uh, fans gave him a, a nice ovation, uh, and then when he came back in for his first sub back into the game, they gave him another standing up. People stood up again and acknowledged him, and he put both his hands up, kind of did one pump up for the crowd, and said, "Let's go." And it, it was it was kind of um, it was that moment that when he came back in that it was kind of like, yes, we're still doing this. It wasn't, it, it wasn't over. And I think that was sort of the, the theme of the night that this wasn't over. This was a, a, a going to be 48 minutes of fans showing love to him and him trying to show love back while at work. I think that is, that's the sort of tricky part for him while at work. Uh, so it, it, 
I thought those those were really special moments, but they they cer- certainly weren't the um weren't weren't the only ones. Uh, there was a moment in the second quarter when he was called for an offensive foul for using a forearm to kind of push off a little bit, and the ball went back to the uh, back to the Blazers, and the fans booed the call. And this was perfect synergy because not only were the fans supporting their guy, they were there to see CJ and cheer on CJ and show their appreciation for CJ, which was really nice. But they also want like. Y'all are smart. Blazer fans are smart. They know that this team needs to lose, and it's it's absolutely the way forward. So so a call that was uh, you know not going in the favor of the Pelicans was bad for them in multiple ways, and I thought that was uh, a really funny, uh, really special moment. But I want to take you to some moments behind the scenes. I was lucky enough to sort of to be in the arena. Um, I'm I've I'm fortunate enough to have uh, to be able to go to these games and and I think what my sort of value here is uh, in many ways is like I, I I try to get you a little bit closer. So let me take you a little bit closer to maybe some things you didn't see. One, I was going to I was walking into the arena and the way that fans are uh, way that family members walk in. There's like kind of a loading dock parking area and then you walk in and you can go out out to the court. You can go around to another side of seating and go back to the to the locker room. But everyone kind of funnels in through this one uh, large kind of loading area that's that's near the parking lot. And as I'm walking through there, I see CJ's wife Elise and uh, Elise's mom, and they are showing a Blazers employee, a longtime Blazers employee, who I'm not going to name drop because you you don't know who they are because they work behind the scenes. But um, if you want to know and you have my phone number, I'll tell you it was. Text me. Um, but a longtime Blazers employee, they're showing uh, they're showing them uh, baby pictures of, of uh, CJ and Elise's uh, son. And it's it's just it's a reminder that it's not just like CJ is a part of was a part of this, but he was also here for almost nine seasons his the the people around the blazers watched him and elise grow from you know early 20s to married to having a child to you know a a decade of growth like through their entire 20s and into their you know into cj's 30th birthday i'm not sure how old elise is i assume roughly the same age uh but like it's they saw them grow up. These people are part of your life. It's, you know, Elise was at the, a ton of games. Um, maybe not all 41 home games, but 34 of them, like a, a bunch. And these people, the people around the Blazers organization, you develop the close relationships with them. So to see her and her mom showing a, a Blazers employee pictures of the baby, it was a reminder that it's like, this is your life. These are these are humans. This is like these are special moments and people that you care about. That when the weirdness of the NBA, you are traded and moved to another place, that you don't. Um, it doesn't just end. That these relate or these relationships sort of have to suddenly and inorganically end in maybe a way that they otherwise wouldn't. Uh, CJ's wife still lives here. CJ mentioned that. He hasn't fully transitioned to living in New Orleans. He's going to come back here at the beginning of the summer, spend a little time here in the summer, do some business stuff. Uh, they still got the house, uh, and and then eventually they'll transition to living full time in New Orleans. So, you know, CJ's wife Elise and 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 their son, they, they like they're here. Uh, they they still live here. So in some ways, CJ was coming back home literally to sleep in his own bed. Um, that's sort of the strangeness of it all. And after the game, he said. Oh, do I? Am I ready to get onto the next city and continue playing basketball? Because because this uh, this was so much. This was also a homecoming in in weird ways for other. Like this was about CJ McCollum, but he wasn't like he's the longest tenured guy here. And I do not do not mean to compare him to Larry Snell or Larry Snell to Larry Nance Jr. or Tony Snell. 
I don't mean to do that, but it is the weirdness of the NBA that guys return. And like when I'm, I was out in the court uh, prior to the game or sitting, sitting near the court by, prior to the game. And I see Larry Nance come up and say, what's up to Blev God and, and give uh, coach Ed Nisha Curry, Eddie, Eddie a hug. And like, you know, walk by and see a couple other people who work for the Blazers behind the scenes and, and, and say hello to them and give them hugs and like, you know, chop it up and spend time and, and, and have the sort of those moments to, to catch up. And it's like, Oh yeah, other people used to play here as well. I saw Tony Snell talking in the back with the Blazers employee, like just catching up because they're friends. They, it's like you develop a relationship and then you are shipped out. Um, it's Snell didn't play in this game. Uh, Larry did play, Larry played a little bit. Uh, he's, he's, uh, back from the knee injury and coming off the bench for, for the Pelicans. But you know, I saw, I saw Tony Snell come back. Uh, I saw Josh Hart who did not play in this game is, uh, you know, out for at least another week and likely for the rest of the season he came out of the back wearing you know slides in a t-shirt probably just getting a lift in in the back or whatever it might be and he made sure to go hang out with the pelicans assistant coaches and say hello and pay his respects like there are little moments that like this was a this was a game that was about cj but seeing all those other guys catch up in the back like it's not uncommon for people to chat pregame i'm not trying to paint it as such but it was a reminder of sort of the strangeness of the nba and then and the human element of the nba like the emotional and human element of the nba that's like hey i can see my old friends my old co-workers i'm gonna make sure i say hello and spend some time before work starts checking in on folks uh, it's it, it's sort of in in many ways familiar to all of us who have ever um left a job and gone back to it or what it, whatever it might be like this was what it was and do you see those moments? Uh, just <laughs> there was another one I want to share uh, before we transition to the third segment is that uh, I said this is like a big media event. And, you know, it's a big media event because uh, it was everybody's there. Like, I, I'm not going to call my, my colleagues who don't always show up at games, but some colleagues who don't show up at games were there. And during the national anthem, um, there's this buzz, right? Because everyone knows the the the. Uh, introductions are about to come and there's they're going to be all this all this hullabaloo and everyone's getting their phone out to record the um record the intro and record the ovation and and say the word everyone's getting ready to type out the word ovation onto their twitter device uh and uh cj is just kind of having this moment right he's like he's he's listening to the national anthem be be sung and he's kind of he's closing his eyes and have this moment and there are four still cameras taking photos of him focusing during the national anthem and a video camera pointed in his face during the, during like the stretch of Blazers basketball where they've been tanking, there's there is nothing even remotely close to that. And here is CJ with four cameras in his face uh, during during the national anthem. I thought that was a great moment. And then when the mo- when the national anthem ends, uh, the the Pelicans kind of everyone kind of mills about afterwards, and people do their like little I drop something in the middle of this record, but people do their little uh, their little pregame routine, their moment, right? Um, and CJ goes to the bench. And he closes his eyes for a second and kind of and kind of collects his breath and has has this moment of, of sort of peace. And I asked him about that after the game, and he's like, "I meditate, and that was a moment to catch my breaths, take some deep breaths, meditate, and settle myself because he knew what was coming, and it was the introduction and that moment, and then the game and all those things." And he was said he had already he was already kind of feeling some of that exhaustion. He had been there for shoot around and done media. He spoke to the media uh, this this morning for about twelve and a half minutes, and then it's like you come back and you kind of got to do it all over again. He talks about the weirdness of just walking around the arena as the as an away team of of so many times, you know hundreds and hundreds of times walking in and going down to his locker at the you know corner stall where he where he was posted up for most of the end of his of his career with the Blazers and he had to go into the opposing locker room and how just bizarre it all was seeing all the same people and putting on a different jersey and all those things running out the different tunnel because 
of where the locker rooms are located and all those things. But I think that moment um, was one that will like stick with me is that um, CJ taking that, that moment of peace, closing his eyes, having a quiet moment on the, on the bench and saying, saying, okay, here we go. Because I was feeling that with him. I was thinking I was, you know, really just trying to take notes and, and be really aware of that, um, of all of the, you know, the little pregame stuff so I could bring it to you. And then, and then I said to myself, okay, here we go. And there we went. Blazers lost. And it was good news because the Blazers are supposed to lose games. So let's talk about the importance of this loss and look ahead to the Blazers because they caught the Kings, y'all. And the Blazers got the Blazers. Things worked out for the house that Joe Cronin unbuilt on Wednesday evening. Let's talk all about that. But before we do, let me tell you about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, whatever it may be. Uh, there's some big college basketball games this weekend. I won't mention them, but uh, I know which shade of blue I will be rooting for on Saturday evening. And if you're into it, you can find props and odds and live betting on all of that action. If you don't want to bet on college hoops, you can also bet on the NBA's final games of the regular season, the NHL, you can bet on tennis tournaments, you can bet on soccer, you can bet on uh, combat sports like boxing and MMA. You're going to find all the action you want all there at betonline.net. So don't wait. Go take advantage. Have some fun today. Like I said, more props, more odds, more lines on everything you ever could want. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond, still listen to Locked on Blazers. And this time, I got my branding right because we did make it indeed to the third segment. CJ McCollum came back and was exhausted because it was an emotional outpouring from, you know, from, from you know, the night before when he showed up in Portland. Uh, he said Nurk came over and visited him at his house the night before. They spent a little time with Nurk. And he said he chopped it up with pretty much everybody he played with. Spoke with Dame and Ant. Uh, and he mentioned all the assistant coaches and some of the, um, you know, Blazers, Todd Forcier, the Blazers strength coach who's been here forever. Um, CJ had his had his moments to, to say what's up to everyone. But importantly, I think he also had, uh, he also got, he also won the basketball game, right? Like that was the whole thing. And he mentioned that let's get some wins. Let's keep it going. Uh, but this win was important for the, for, uh, the Blazers because they need to continue to lose. And it was also important for the Blazers because the Sacramento Kings won the basketball game. The Kings played the Rockets tonight and the Rockets suddenly red hot winning games down the stretch. They've, they're looking much better and they, they are maybe not as aggressively tanking as teams like Sacramento, Portland, and Indiana, who are saying, let's go for it and try to get uh, one of these lower picks. But because of the Blazers' loss and the Kings' win, the Blazers move a half game uh, behind the Kings uh, in the standings, ahead in the tanking standings, but behind the Kings in the standings. Well, they're one back in the in the win column. For those of you who are telling me, Mike, they can catch the Kings. And I said, I don't know. It's hard to catch the Kings. Like it, at the time it was, you know, three and a half games over the final on the final 12 when we first started talking about this. And I said, I don't know. But it was really this weekend. I did not think the Blazers were going to find a way to lose both to Houston and OKC. I thought they were going to split those. I thought, they might win. I thought they might even win two out of three. They damn near won that OKC game. They found ways to lose to Houston. And now they lose tonight to the New Orleans Pelicans and they find themselves in the with the sixth worst record in the NBA and if they lose out which like I said very reasonable if the Blazers lose the rest of their remaining games 
They're going to be the proud owners of the sixth worst record in the NBA, which means they'll have a 37.2% chance of landing a top four pick. They've been that significantly increases their odds. That's significantly better. It's about 5% better than if they had the seventh worst record. They jumped up a tier. That is huge to finish ahead of the Kings. It is a big, big deal odds wise. It might not mean anything. They might just end up with a six pick, whatever, but like, it gives them significantly improved odds of jumping into the top four. Jumping into the top four gives them, it just gives them a lot more options. They can just draft a really good player. Great. Done and done. But that is also if, if the right trade comes up, having one of the first four picks in this draft, where there seem to be four clearly very good players, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith Jr., Paolo Bancaro, and Jaden Ivey, that that seems to be there seems to be a tier below once you get below those four players at least from from what I'm understanding from draft evaluators if you get a top four pick you're just in you're going to be in a good spot and the Blazers will have a nine percent chance at the top overall pick these odds courtesy of Tankathon.com this was a good day for the house that Joe Cronin unbuilt uh that is also that is a stupid branding from me. Uh, the other stupid branding I'm going to put um, TM 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 to real quick is uh, hi to Jose, which is what I am calling when Jose Alvarado, Pelicans backup point guard, hides in the corner and then runs to make backcourt steals. He had three backcourt steals in the first half against the Blazers. Jose Alvarado, Pelicans backup point guard. I'm calling that hi to Jose. I used that in a press conference. TM 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 TM. I'm also putting it on wax here just for y'all. Uh, other other sort of um, news in the tanking world today. The Blazers moving behind the Kings into six. Great news uh, this weekend. These those two those games against Houston, OKC, and now the Pelicans. This four they've lost five in a row, but th- that four game stretch crucial, just crucial, uh, elite, elite, high level, wonderful tanking. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Damn near won this basketball game. And if they had won this basketball game, they would have only been a game and a half back of the Pelicans tied with the Lakers. But the Spurs, playing the Memphis Grizzlies, who are so damn good, came all the way back from a big uh, deficit, had the ball in the closing seconds, and have a sidelines out-of-bounds play down one. They run a beautiful play. Keldon Johnson slips a screen, gets to the rim. Uh, the ball finds him in the middle of the paint. He just glides in and misses a layup at the buzzer that would have won it for the Spurs. Now, I don't know if it's better for the Spurs or the Lakers to get the 10th seed and the, for the Pelicans to have to play them, but I know this right now. With the Pelicans win tonight and with uh, the Clippers win last night over the Utah Jazz and the return of Paul George, the Clippers are going to finish ahead. They're going to finish in 8th ahead of ahead of New Orleans, and New Orleans is going to finish in ninth ahead of either LA or San Antonio. The New Orleans Pelicans are going to very likely... Almost certainly, they're a game and a half up on the Lakers and two games up on the Spurs because of the Spurs' loss tonight. I just think the the Pelicans, they still play the Lakers one more time, so anything could change when that happens. But I think based on the, the Pelicans, who now own the season series over the over LA by virtue of beating them on Sunday evening, they're going to finish ninth. That's not set in stone. Obviously, I can do the math. There's like five and six games left in the regular season, depending on which team you're talking about. So like any one and a half is not a meaningful number with six games left in the season, but I'm just going to call it now. I think the Pelicans are going to finish ninth. And I think you're, they're going to be talking about play, hosting either the Lakers or the Spurs. I'm not sure who's who it's better. You'd think that a one game playoff with LeBron James is always going to be more important. And I kind of lean that way, have it be LeBron, but the Lakers are so unserious and just crappy that I, I kind of just am over it. 
give me the Spurs and their their sort of brand of of, of high effort basketball and, and come what may. Um, the Pelicans didn't look comp- particularly compelling today. There's been some whispers that Zion Williamson could come back, but I do not believe those whispers. I think it is from re- reporting from Andrew Lopez of ESPN and a couple others. It seems extremely unlikely that Zion will come back. And if they don't come back, you're talking about winning a game against either San Antonio or LA and then going on the road to uh, either the Clippers or or the Minnesota Timberwolves and having to win one more game to make the playoffs. Two wins for the Blazers or for the Pelicans in the plan. The Blazers obviously, or the Blazers are owed a protected pick from New Orleans, is why that matters. But then the Blazers, their own pick looks like it's going to be six if they can complete the business and lose all of their remaining games. That's your tank watch. That's your show. Tell your friends about the show. Uh, tomorrow's show, we're going to wrap up the week having a little bit of fun and uh, play the rest of my conversation with an interview I did earlier this week with Mark Schindler. We're talking all about Dra- Blazers draft prospects. Mark is someone who pays a ton of attention in sort of the NBA draft world. And if you missed my earlier interview with Mark, it's yesterday's show. It's in your feed. Make sure you check that one out. But you will, you will, you will not want to miss that one because Mark has great insight into some guys who could help the Blazers, who are in sort of that middle lottery tier, who he thinks can be contributors, early contributors to the Blazers. So come back, check that one five days a week wherever you get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. You'll find us right there waiting for you. It's also on YouTube. Uh, that's it. Tell your friends. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.